Welcome back to the Tech and Try podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the show Super Pumped. It's Showtime's take on what really went down at the infamous Uber. So episodes one through four explore early days at Uber from Hollywood's perspective. Travis gets his initial investors from Benchmark, TPG Capital, Google Ventures. They have to deal with Lyft quickly becoming a copycat of Uber, as well as starting to deal with the dark parts of Uber. So driver deaths in Brazil and then sexual harassment happening at at Uber. I thought what was interesting is the character development between Travis and Bill Gurley, who was his first big investor, and also his relationship with the fourth employee. And so there's certain relationships that they kind of zoom in on and build kind of what that relationship was between the two of them, which I thought was interesting. But like you alluded to, we start seeing the dark sides of Uber and at the rate that they were scaling with how much money they had, you know, scale brings this very dark underbelly in startups that at the time that it's happening, people are doing their best to hide and conceal. Yeah. But over time, it all comes out. Yeah, definitely. And I just think so far the show's been interesting to watch, but definitely the way that it's been edited is super cringy. (laughs) I don't understand why. Kind of like you're watching a movie kind of just split up into like multiple parts, but it's like very exaggerated. It's kind of very just awkward at times. And I don't know if that's maybe kind of like what was portrayed in the book because the show's based off of a New York Times reporter's book called Super Pumped. Yeah. So I don't know if everything's just like very exaggerated because maybe the, the book was written that way as well. Yeah, I definitely picked up on that as well. Everything is dramatized to this Mm -hmm. like very intense level and it almost does at times feel it's an outsider telling the story versus an insider and so I think that's very interesting there are moments where it's a clear indication where they could have maybe made different choices that led to much more positive outcomes but in those moments they show there's a theme of the founder Travis being very much like you're with me or you're against me Mm -hmm. and he wants to rule with complete autonomy Mm -hmm. and I think that's very challenging when you're scaling a startup and there's so many people involved and there's a very big impact of every decision you make Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of interesting the show takes you into his psychology and of course this is based on this book so there are elements that maybe aren't necessarily 100% true or accurate so when you're watching it you take it like with a grain of salt I think what's really interesting is that this isn't the first show that's been made there's like also the dropout mm-hmm. there's like we crashed i'm starting to see this like trend of just like how media is capitalizing off of tech startup stories and it's really interesting to see their take on these companies yeah. and we've had friends that they weren't like early days uber by any means but they did join more late stage mm-hmm. and it's very interesting to see our world kind of get encapsulated in streaming shows and hollywood and it's very odd but it's like a car wreck you want to watch it Yeah, that's so well said, because for the longest time, the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, was this obviously this huge world, but it wasn't mainstream culture. And it was kind of like, if you know, you know, type of a space. And it was much more of a close knit community. And now with the media's obsession with writing about startups, and I think all the type of media coverage that startups have gone for the past decade, they're very like easy articles, I call it lazy journalism, because it's always like x startup raises x hundred million dollars 
dollars or a billion dollars. So they always constantly led with how much the startup fundraised. And that seemed to be this endless loop of if your startup's not raising, you're not really getting press. Yeah. And it's like creating this weird like, yeah articles to cause like the most amount of attention yeah and then based off of that then they started playing into this parody of oh this monoculture like this founder that looks exactly the same is creating this stupid app and is getting funded beyond belief and it's like look at this joke what is this and what's happening Mm -hmm. and i think that kind of leads itself to this contentious relationship between startups vcs actual founders and tech journalists and a lot of times they're journalists who are covering startups and technology but they don't have a STEM background. Yeah. They've never worked at startups and they don't have an insider perspective. And I'm not trying to discount their take on things, but there's so many times there's such bad reporting yeah. and they're looking for a narrative. They're looking for a way to get a click on a article, right? The mechanisms behind their intention is very different than someone who's very genuine with their startup. Yeah. Right. I think they've completely overlooked that there are a lot of people who work in tech who are very genuine Mm -hmm. with their intentions behind what they're doing, what they're building. But the media likes to paint this broad stroke of they're all just entitled assholes who are just undeserving of how much money they're getting. And, you know, just kind of like painting this really weird narrative. It's like a very like one dimensional take about Silicon Valley. And I definitely agree with you. I would also echo it's kind of like lazy journalism because yeah. They kind of all follow the same cycle of building up a tech company and then like yeah. tearing them down. Yeah. And we've seen it regardless of the founder's gender. Yeah. Like we've seen male founders get completely put on a pedestal mm-hmm. for no reason other than the fact that they're portraying them to be godlike. Mm-hmm. And maybe a few years later, like immediately just like crash down. Yeah, that cycle of building someone up and then tearing them down is something that media has done for so many decades. And it's like odd now to see it being done to like a lot of times like people you know, or people you've worked with, or someone is usually always like a second degree connection. And so you have a little bit of a different insight into who that person is. And sometimes they do get it right. Like sometimes the person is like a major asshole. And like, (laughs) but I think what it comes down to is like, there is this frustration And you can kind of see a lot of this contention go down on Twitter. Yeah. Why do you feel like there is so much contention? I think it has to do with media being very centralized in New York Mm -hmm. and it being controlled by very powerful people. And then I love the show Succession Mm -hmm. really kind of gives you this take on um, I think it's like based off a few different media tycoons. It's talking about like these legacy organizations Mm -hmm. and the way that they go about reporting the news is very different than how information is spread through the Internet and through Mm -hmm. social media. So there is this kind of dethroning that had happened with startups based out of the Bay who created social media and created so many of these web two platforms allowed people to connect with people around the world yeah. without any type of gatekeeping and without these credentialing. And so it kind of became the marketplace of ideas and it was like the best idea or the most thought provoking idea kind of stood out. And so I do think there is a correlation of tech unbundling media. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is probably very frustrating if you are very 
very serious journalist and the climate and like the environment has changed so much that people care less about like quality of content and care more about it being digestible or just being fast and quick, right? Like there's just a different way that we consume information and news. And I read something that majority of millennials get their news from podcasts. And I remember being in college and our professor asking us, where do you get the news? And everyone in my class, including me, we never said we got our news from the news. We always got them from blogs. I didn't realize they're like independent media outlets, but we just Mm -hmm. were like, there's different blogs that they're able to actually put their opinion out, give information and data, and you're able to make an assessment versus a figurehead kind of spoon feeding you this narrative. So I think millennials have just always found their news online. Yeah. I think that's causing so much contention. So I think there is a bit of competitiveness between Mm -hmm. legacy media and tech companies. And so that is one aspect of it. But another aspect is them not having a STEM background or even an entrepreneurship background. Mm -hmm. And so there is a bit of this spitefulness in the media. And I would love to talk about like the takedown of female founders Mm -hmm. is like really interesting. And they tend to have a narrative of what these female founders are like. And there's been like very public takedowns of like the Way CEO. There's articles on Glossier. The Wing. The Wing. Yeah. You know, so it like goes on. And I remember there was a female founder, I'm forgetting the name of her startup, but when the Away stuff came out on Twitter, she was like, should I be worried? Like, yeah. am I next? Is mm-hmm. there going to be a hit piece on me? And so it's just like pretty frustrating. But I do think like there's a certain level of accountability that mm-hmm. everyone needs to have. But I don't know if that accountability necessarily needs to come from external media journalists Mm -hmm. or if that accountability should come from internal, like should come from the actual like startup community of like, hey, let's come together and kind of create a line in the sand of what we think is like acceptable or not. Yeah, I think it would be cool to see that. I don't know if people would actually work together to make that come true, but it is really interesting to, to see all of these new shows pop up. Yeah. And they've been entertaining, if anything. Yeah, I think it's been fun. It it definitely does feel like you're watching a movie. So it's just fun to get some popcorn and it's a nice Sunday night show. But I wonder if any of our audience has been watching the show and what their thoughts are. So definitely let us know on our Instagram page. We'll leave a post asking for your thoughts. But I'm excited to see where it goes. But I know there's been so many other rideshare apps coming yeah. out. You had mentioned one to me that was really interesting. Yeah, Alto just launched in Palo Alto area, like Peninsula area this mm-hmm. week, which is really interesting. And this one actually stuck out because like there's been so many mm-hmm. different rideshare apps. But what stuck out about this one is that their drivers are actually W-2 employees. Mm-hmm. So they're not contractors and they do background checks and they do training and there's benefits for the drivers. So that's like very different compared to your standard Uber and Lyft where everyone's a mm-hmm. contract employee. I like that they're addressing the concerns that people had yeah. with other popular rideshare apps. I think like safety is like probably the number one concern for women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there have been times where you just don't feel that comfortable because for a number of reasons. And so I know we're really good about if we're taking an Uber or Lyft, like we always like share a ride and we try to take these safety precautions. Yeah. But we like, check the like, license plate number yeah. if it matches mm-hmm. like what's listed on the app. Like if we get a weird vibe, we don't get into the Uber or Lyft. 
But even with as many safety precautions as like you try to take, there's just been so many incidents where the person who's driving the Uber should not have been allowed to be a driver, right? The vetting process is not thorough enough. And so it is interesting seeing rideshare apps like Alto kind of addressing those concerns. Mm -hmm. I love that there's a plexiglass between the driver and the rider because the drivers also must feel very vulnerable. Yeah. Because you don't know who you're picking up and that must be very scary for them as well. And it's interesting to see. I think in New York, they were saying the cost of popular rideshare apps have gone up so much because, hey, guess what? We're not in that grow at all cost stage. And they're going to now market the fare at a fair market price. And now people are saying yellow taxi cabs are actually more affordable than mm-hmm. Ubers and Lyfts in New it's, York. It's hilarious. And it's just so funny because we're now at this full circle moment. And there's so much pain that has been caused mm-hmm. in this whole process. And so when a startup's been around for X amount of years, you're able to kind of see what did this really innovate? Mm -hmm. Was this a positive impact on society as a whole? And so it's kind of interesting. And we're not going to pass any judgment one way or another, but it is interesting to see there are so many alternative rideshare apps. So it seems this form of commuting or getting around does resonate with society as a whole. There is a lot of value that could be provided. There is utility. Yeah, there definitely is utility there. But then it comes to when you're building anything, it's like, what is your defensibility? Mm -hmm. If price is only the reason why people are choosing you, that's not a good enough moat. Mm -hmm. Because there will come a time where you will run out of money or you're going to have to turn a profit. You're going to have to monetize your product or service. And that day is the day that matters, right? That's what kind of boils down to. It's going to be interesting. I know like when we traveled abroad, there's like the blah, blah, blah car in France. (laughs) And that was hilarious when the hotel was like, oh, you could use a service, blah, blah, blah. And I thought the person was making fun of us. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, (laughs) are we getting teased? And they're like, no, that's the name. I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. And then there's Ola in India, which is very popular. And we've known people who've taken that. So it's interesting. Every localized place is having their own local service and certain ones are even broader based service yeah the rideshare companies that have popped up that advertise that they focus on women's safety Mm. have been intriguing i've never taken one personally but i i'm just waiting for alto to expand (laughs) to more coverage area yeah i'm forgetting the name of there is a startup in the bay area that kind of pitched this concept of for women by women so Mm -hmm. all female riders all female drivers and there was like all this outrage and i thought that was so narrow-minded because Mm -hmm. it was a bunch of men being like this is so stupid why would you need this and not understanding that terrifying feeling of being a woman and feeling very unsafe. Yeah. There are a lot of different niche rideshare apps out there. And I don't think the women for women by women is niche at all. Mm-hmm. I saw one that was like local moms helping each other. That's really it's kind of cool. like carpool, like picking up kids. And you kind of trust a mom who lives locally near you more than a random stranger. The space is interesting. It's definitely not going away, but we'll see who's going to last in the end. (laughs) They'll all last. (laughs) You think they'll all last? Yeah. Everything will become localized to whatever country you're in. I think that goes Mm. for like any app, honestly. Do you think yellow cabs everywhere will be able to make kind of a rebound? I think it depends on the area because Mm -hmm. like... Growing up in the Bay Area, we just all drove everywhere. I only remember ever booking like maybe a shuttle to the airport. That's about it. But that's the only thing that you would ever book. It would have to be planned in advance. And it was something you had to do some legwork to book. 
So. Yeah, I think for me, whenever I'm traveling, of mm-hmm. course, I rely on a rideshare app, but maybe I'm going to start just like renting a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't tried that avenue out. Yeah, and there's a lot of good options for short-term car rentals, so that'll be interesting. Do you think taxis are making a comeback? They sound to have already made a bounce back in New York, and I think that also has to do with it's very ingrained in New York culture, mm-hmm. right? Like the quintessential, putting your arm up in a taxi, like hailing a cab that way is so much easier It's much than faster. having the anxiety of like, oh my <laughs> gosh, like is my phone out of battery? If you're like contingent on your phone, it's pretty nerve-wracking. Yeah, or you're like, you're standing on like the wrong side of the street (laughs) that would give me the most anxiety oh my gosh yeah so in new york they're going to be fine and maybe other types of like cities where taxis are very iconic maybe Mm -hmm. like in london and then the tube is so great so i think other countries prefer the metro yeah for sure i think other countries have just such a better infrastructure of public transport and america's never set up that way and for xyz reason it's definitely been more of a personal car type of country so (laughs) be interesting to see but regardless the show's like insanely entertaining it definitely like goes there it's not scared to talk about things that are like uncomfortable and episode four we're finally starting to see the susan fowler Mm -hmm. stuff that went down and if you're not familiar it was a very big story she was a software engineer and she was experiencing sexual harassment from her manager Mm-hmm. I believe. And th- there's a lot of things that transpired there and ended up with her leaving. And there was a lot of fallout from that. Yeah. Um, and she had a really bad experience of how she was being targeted after. So it was really sad to see. And I think yeah. she ended up leaving the tech industry and things like that are like pretty disheartening to see talent leaving tech for mm-hmm. things that you would think that would be avoidable, you know, if everyone just like acted with respect and weren't creepy assholes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how do I how do I say that? But yeah. And so I think that story is going to continue to develop. And of course, there's a storyline with the fourth employee. And she has a situation with sexual harassment at work as well. And the way that it's dealt is very telling of how a lot of places that are male dominated. And I'm hoping that for the men who are watching the show and they work in tech, it gives them somewhat of an insight Mm -hmm. of what that experience was like or how that felt or, you know, just kind of give and just somewhat of a a glimpse. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of hopefully people can step up more and kind of be an ally. Yeah. But talking about the fourth employee, I mean, what a powerhouse. Yeah. In terms of like driving impact, Mm -hmm. right? So in the show, the fourth employee, Austin, which is actually her name as well, she was in charge of the rollout city per city and she was a powerhouse. She was able to go into new cities that Uber wanted to expand and really get buy-in from the taxi drivers to come and drive for Uber. And that takes a lot of conviction and someone who's very inspiring and instills a lot of trust to be able to convert these professional drivers to come drive for a a new startup Mm -hmm. and I think she's such a key in Uber's early success yeah so I was really impressed with seeing her story and it was yeah, nice I've to never see heard her. about her yeah. before, so it was really nice to... Yeah, it was nice to see her get championed in the show. And it really talks about her challenges. Mm-hmm. And it's insightful that someone can be such a top performer, but also be experiencing their own challenges at mm-hmm. the same time. I think a lot of times when people think of top performers, they think that everything in their life is going great and they're kind of excelling at all levels. But it was nice to see the character development that yeah. they did with her. Yeah, so the, cool. the show's actually... 
decent. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good watch, so I would recommend it. Let us know if you're watching Super Pump right now and, and your thoughts about it on our Instagram. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tech and Chai, and we'll catch you in the next one. Thanks for listening.